That way no one gets hurt. But if I win, then I get to finish my little bedtime story to dominate. Eddie Guerrero, a couple of seconds away from spilling his secret to the world. WWE, the custody of a child, will be determined in a match, in a ladder match. Ladies and gentlemen, pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive in the classic matches 
along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Payoff. It's time for the most famous custody battle in the history of professional wrestling. This is Tom Healy, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Jeffrey Ryan. Jeff, how the hell are you doing? Thankfully, one of the only custody battles in the history of pro wrestling. Yeah, so uh, where's this rank all time for you in terms of custody ladder matches? Probably top three, maybe even top two. You never know. But what a time to be a wrestling fan, my friend. So, you know, we got some crazy wrestling storylines happening even in in 2019. But, you know, whether it's today or or 2005, this story was just a little nutty itself. So excited to dive into this one. But as always, subscribe to the payoff. Give us those five stars. Spread the word about the show. You can always find us on that social media at PayoffPod. Tom and I are always on there kind of checking that stuff out. And then lastly, of course, that Patreon, one tier, payoffpatreon.com. We've got our after show. We throw out that monthly bonus episode to you. You know, been adding some kind of bonus content as well, too, with some of the big pay-per-views that are happening and then just kind of the big news. And, you know, I did a special show with the debuts last week and the season premiere. So check it out, one tier, payoffpatreon.com. Tom, what else do you have for those listening? Yeah, as always, a big thank you to our listeners. I always like to remind everyone, if you're new to the show, go back in the archives, check out some of the awesome matches and guests that we've had. We have a uh, good friend of the show, Dennis Gold, on Twitter that likes to rank all of our guests and shows. He's always giving us encouragement and good feedback, and we love his power ranking. So if you want to know where to start, make sure to check that out. But again, check out the archives, support the show. Make sure to tell your friends, share it on social media. That's how we continue to grow. It means the world to us and it's greatly appreciated. Jeff, as always, quickly give everyone a rundown of how we do things here on The Payoff. Real quick, of course, we give you a weekly deep dive into a match every Monday. Then each episode has those three parts, the build, the payoff, and the aftermath. What happened before, what happened during, what happened after. Simple stuff. And then, of course, we share those couple of reviews, the write-ups, whatever we can find, just some kind of interesting facts and things like that in the moment and when they were written. And then we give our payoff score. So, Tom, as always, good stuff. We love it. But what do you, why did you want to talk about this match? Yeah, so a couple things. First of all, there's just a lot going on in the business. You know, you and I were were texting about this as we were doing our research. And it's one of those shows where it's like, well, what direction do we go in, right? I mean, there's just so much happening just in the business in general. Then within this, you know, Eddie and Ray story, there's a lot happening there. We'll get into it, but obviously the tragic timing of Eddie passing isn't far from this. It's Vicky debuting as a quote-unquote performer. Arguably, this is Eddie's last great classic match and angle. And then recently, I was attending Raw in Phoenix, Arizona, and Dominic's sitting ringside and involved in a storyline, and that's, what, 14-plus years later. So a lot of reasons why I really wanted to get into this match and talk about it. And the last thing I'll say is I think that it's better than maybe history remembers it. I mean, to me, this is just one of the best ladder matches and certainly when you factor in the build up to it. So a lot to talk about in this episode, 
I'm really excited about this one. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, like you said, our timing here was, it just kind of worked out perfect. You know, as of recording, we aren't exactly sure, you know, what the payoff is going to be, but we do have Dominic involved in a story again, which I'm convinced he's still Walter's doppelganger, but, and I know I'm not the only one, but I definitely think it's a thing. So, you know, and we try not to talk too much about the current stuff here, but with him back in the ring for a story, it's really only appropriate for us to talk about the first time he was in the ring. So with that being said, let's get to the build. Oh, it's time for the build. All right, here we are with the build. It's SummerSlam 2005, August 21st, 2005. We're in the MCI Center in Washington, D.C., 18,176 in attendance. Obviously, SummerSlam, big show, second biggest of the year. There's a lot going on in this card, and I'll quickly go through it. Dark match was a uh, friend of the show, Chris Masters, defeating the Hurricane via the Master Lock in two minutes. So then we kick off the regular show, and Jeff, this is kind of fun. Chris Benoit defeats Orlando Jordan via submission in 25 seconds to become the U.S. champion. I don't know where you stand on this, and I'm curious. I like when we get this every once in a while in pro wrestling, when it's done right, it makes the winner look like a badass. I don't think it crushes the loser by any standpoint. And it gives a little bit of legitimacy to it because let's face it in boxing in UFC fights end in the first round, there's knockouts, there's submissions, there's, you know, freak things that happen. And I know sometimes it's easy to be like, Oh, well the fans didn't get their money's worth. Dude, think about like, some of those Mike Tyson fights back in the day. Think about some of the more recent UFC stuff where when someone just quickly wins, everyone looks pretty happy and excited and jumping up and down. So the idea that every pro wrestling match has to be 20 minutes, sometimes less is more. And I think that not that I would make a habit of doing this every week or every pay-per-view, but every few months, trying to get someone over as a real badass and having them go over quickly. You know, I think about, for instance, even that Goldberg-Lesnar Survivor Series match. I mean, we were shocked, right? But it's like, no, that was actually pretty cool. And let's face it, it was, what, at the end of a four-hour pay-per-view? So it's not like I think we were all clamoring for, you know, a 60-minute Ironman match. But where do you stand on this? Yeah, I'm with you. As you were kind of talking through it, I was looking up Orlando Jordan, one name I had forgotten, one-time United States champ. But yeah, I, I'm all for this. I think I like when they bring in jobbers. I like when we do get these kind of quick squash. If they make sense in the story, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully you're not burying a guy like Orlando Jordan in this one, but sometimes it happens. But yeah, yeah I'm a fan. Well, I guess the more recent example would be the Kofi Kingston-Brock Lesnar match as well. But again, sometimes it's done well, sometimes it's not done well. But I think at the right time, it's pretty cool. Now, interestingly enough, our next match is Edge and Matt Hardy. Again, this is a whole nother episode, and I look forward to covering it at some point. But essentially, we have Edge beating Matt Hardy via knockout. Matt Hardy takes this pretty decent-looking bump where he hits the top of the post in the corner. He gets a ton of color. Edge is kicking him in the face, punching him, and they call the match. It's, it's a knockout win for Edge in under five minutes. Again, we'll talk about this on another episode, but I just remember how exciting it was when Matt Hardy comes back. Obviously, the real-life Edge and Lita thing. We didn't know he was coming back. Big surprise. We're getting them at SummerSlam. 
and then this is the payoff. And I understand they did more matches and they had a blow-off angle, blah, blah, blah. But man, sometimes they are handed on a silver platter these amazing real-life situations. It happens to them fairly often throughout a given year. But man, you put those writers in the room, you start kicking around ideas, and they just come up with bullshit. And I think this is an example of it where, God, they just ruined something that really could have been special. And it's something that's really forgotten is that angle. The next match we got, so again, just for some perspective, coming off of that match, then we get the match we're here to discuss. Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, ladder match for custody of Dominic. We'll obviously spend the bulk of the show talking about that match, watching it and dissecting what happened before and afterwards. So right in the middle of that great SummerSlam show. Now, what do we follow that up with? Oh, just Kurt Angle defeating Eugene. Jeff, I never understood this whole Eugene angle. I don't know why they went there. I don't know what it was supposed to accomplish. You'd say, oh, well, it's okay to have some comedy in wrestling, but he's wrestling Kurt Angle on the biggest show of the year. Yeah. This wasn't some like throwaway thing they did on SmackDown for some laughs. That's fine. There's plenty of comedy in different eras of wrestling. I get it. Just didn't understand why this guy got such a big push and they made such a big deal of it. If you go back and watch for, for Kurt's medal, let's not forget that part. Yes, yes, yes. For For his medal, Olympic medal. If you go back and you watch this Mysterio Guerrero match, keep watching the beginning of this Kurt angle match, dude, he is so ripped and jacked up. I mean, he looks like a million dollars. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I just, sometimes I I think, you know, again, this last Kurt Angle run we got, obviously he had lost a step. He said his body was arthritic. I mean, it's not a young spring chicken, right? He's been through neck surgeries, but man, I just sometimes forget how good he was. He was, I mean, just an elite Olympic athlete, that could be great on the mic was an awesome heel. And then our our last couple matches of the night, we'll get the legend killer, Randy Orton defeating the undertaker. They went almost 20 minutes. I forgot about this whole legend killer thing. I mean, they were just putting him up against everyone and it was, you know, the big build to the undertaker. Well, he can't possibly beat the undertaker. Oh, he sure did. And Jeff, we'll cover this on another episode. I'm curious what you think for me, Randy Orton, He's a solid performer. I remember in an interview, and this was maybe five, this might even closer to 10 years ago, Eric Bischoff, the question was, if you could start a wrestling company with any one current wrestler, who would it be? And he, without hesitation, said Randy Orton. And I just remember thinking, huh? You know, I, I just, I don't, yeah. I don't know. In terms of promo, yeah, okay. Character, nah, I don't really know what the character is for the most part. I mean, the Viper and, you know, there's nothing like, really identifiable about the character. I know the RKO is awesome, but so was the diamond cutter. So was the stunner, right? I mean, he's not the first guy to have a cool move. And then I just, his in-ring work. I, I mean, if I said to you, Jeff, like right now, give me the best Randy Orton match of all time that you want me to go watch to change my opinion of him. I'd love to know what you'd even come up with. So I'm, I'm curious where you stand on him. I think you have to enjoy his style of match. It's very rare, and I think it depends on who he's matched with. And I've read the the dirt sheets, and you know, if he's not into it, then we're not going to get a great match. And he has had some good ones, but back at this time, but you know, more recently, it's been a little bit tougher. But you know, it is my brother and I discussed on the uh, Patreon show this last weekend. 
every time he comes out, he gets a massive pop. Every time he does an RKO, he gets a pop. He does that off the ropes DDT. He gets a pop. Like fans are just obsessed. And yeah. so again, I'm with you. Like I like the guy. I think he's good. Like when he does puts on a good match, I enjoy watching him, but you got to really enjoy that kind of slow pace kind of plotting. And I guess that's part of him, but yeah, it's just it, what he is. So yeah. Well, and, and two interesting things. One is, you know, and he's actually brought this up, I think on Twitter before where he's like, Hey man, you can clown on me all you want, but guess what? Every house show, your boy's getting the biggest reaction. And to your point, both when he walks in and then also during when he delivers the RKO. So I think there's, you know, certainly validity in that. But, but again, I just, I mean, I remember how big of a push there was. And then the other thing you brought up was, you know, he takes matches off or sometimes he's not into his storyline. Jeff, I'd argue he's taken years off, right? Where, yeah. where you could be like, oh yeah, you know, like, uh, oh wait, yeah, that was a year where he just really didn't give a shit, right? So I agree that there's some matches and he, his poker face isn't that good. You can tell when he's not into a storyline, right? I mean, he just does it. Uh, it's just yep. it, a very interesting observation. All right, so we, we're, we're now down to our final three matches, two world title matches, and, and then the, the main event. Cena defeating Jericho. Jeff, there's a fun Jericho promo. I believe it's right after the Stereo-Eddie match, okay? And I, I just forgot how big of a kick I always got out of the, I'm the only person to ever beat The Rock and Steve Austin in the same night. I'm the first Undisputed Era, you know, or Undisputed Champion, right? Yeah. And I got to tell you, <laughs> Part of me just at some point before his career wraps up, and I guess it'd be funny if it was like in AEW. I just love for like one of these like weeks on like their like Wednesday show for him to just like in the middle of a promo be like, and by the way, I'm the only and like cut that line. I just think people would go nuts, and I think it'd be like really like an unexpected, just funny thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so then we get Batista retaining his title against JBL. That was a no-holds-barred match for the World Heavyweight title. And then the final match. And again, we've mentioned this on the Chris Masters episode. We got to do an entire episode about this. But Hulk Hogan defeating Shawn Michaels. The match was really interesting, but really good. Michaels is flopping around. There's a lot that went into the match in terms of... Are they going to do a best of three? Are they going to do a follow-up match? There was talk of doing a cage match the next pay-per-view. Hogan was adamant about winning with the leg drop. So that's a whole story into of itself. But that's your SummerSlam 2005. Now, the Torch did an online poll following the show. Match of the night, the Hogan-Michaels match barely beat the Mysterio Guerrero match. I was actually surprised by that. For some reason, I thought that there was a lot of like pushback about the Hogan-Michaels match. I mean, I enjoyed it because they're my two favorites of all time. But on the spot, right after the match, fans said that that was their favorite. So I thought that was interesting. A couple other things going on in the business before we discuss the build up to the match from a storyline standpoint. Jeff, I don't know how well you remember this. This was that Muhammad Hassan terrorist angle targeting The Undertaker. It takes place a few days after the 4th of July. This is in conjunction with the London bombings. Just why, right? Bad, bad. Yeah, and I, I'm just off the top of my head, right? Every few years, it feels like they just do something that's beyond cringeworthy. I understand why like one person might think, oh yeah, what's the big deal? Like, I think there's always times where we may say something or, you know, think a joke or something, whatever is 
fine and it turns out that it is off color and if you don't have a filter or anyone to bounce it off of and you just blurt it out like I, I get that where one writer might have been like I want to make this guy heal and just wasn't sensitive to like terrorism again I know it sounds ridiculous but one person fine but when you have this team of writers and you have multiple revisions how no one would look at this script and go yeah, you know what, let's maybe do a uh, traditional attack angle, right, versus terrorism. But it's like every couple years, Jeff, they do something like this. It's just yeah, like ridiculous. And you get the anti-American heel all the time. I remember gender most recently, you know, and they went down Vince that loves road. it. Yeah, and it's the old trope that he loves going back to. And this one, too, I do remember this. It's just especially very crazy because if you remember, WWE was after the 9-11 attacks, it was like the first major sporting event to kind of fill an arena. You know, at least that's, you know, what they, what they're, but they did. And so to do that and have that side by side with kind of this, you know, short institutional memory there of what had happened. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking here, like the Sergeant Slaughter, Iraqi sympathizer during the Gulf War, probably not the best idea. Okay. Katie Vick. Steve Austin being crucified. Oh, it's not a cross. It's the Undertaker symbol. Okay, well, the Undertaker symbol is a cross. <laughs> you know, like, uh, we could keep rattling these off, but, like, Vince wants it to be pop culture, entertainment, present it like a sports, be on network TV. You can't do shit like this, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you just can't. You can't have it both ways. Again, some of this stuff, I just wonder why. So, so that's going on. Obviously, that gets axed and we realize it's not a good idea. The other thing I came across in my research, they, they had an interview with Shawn Michaels, right? And they, they asked him, like, is this Hulk Hogan match? Is this like the biggest match ever? And he said, yeah, until The Rock comes back and then you're going to get Shawn Michaels versus The Rock. And the follow-up question was, do you think The Rock will come back? And Shawn said, I think he's going to have to. Obviously, we never got that Shawn Michaels versus The Rock match. I mean, can you imagine HBK working as like kind of a heel, The Rock coming back as the hero? That would have been a fun match. Obviously, the, the in-ring work would have been phenomenal. Obviously, we would get The Rock back. It wasn't against Shawn. I'd probably guess that we haven't seen the last Rock match. Jeff, agree, disagree? Agree. Yeah. Right. I mean, at some point, it's obviously not about the money, but like, there's just nothing that matches it. I mean, there's a reason why everyone wants to come back, right? Why does Batista want to do a final match? Why will The Rock come back? Why can't The Undertaker stop? I mean, it's, it's probably a little bit of an addiction, and I don't blame them. Like, you can say, oh, I, they don't need to come back and this and that. Dude, I mean, you can't replicate that. You know, you're telling me uh, Joe Montana wouldn't like to go out there and play in another game or two. I mean, especially if it's a work and he can put himself yeah. over. And I mean, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot going on. Great show. But the reason we're here is to talk about this match. And Jeff, I know you and I were talking about this off air, but this one had a lot happening. It was a long build. So walk us through everything that happened leading up to August of 2005 and SummerSlam. Like you said, just a lot happening here. So <clears throat> clear my throat because here we go. <clears throat> We're going to start. It was No Way Out, February 20th, 2005. You had Eddie and Ray. They beat the Basham brothers to win the tag titles. And then they actually beat them in a rematch as well, too. And a couple other teams, too, uh, in the immediate aftermath of this. You had Mark Jindrick 
and Luther Reigns, which no, no relation to Roman. You had JBL, and again, there's always one, or JBL and Orlando Jordan, another one. He's come up twice now. And then also Hardcore Holly and Charlie Haas, which you remember Charlie had the gimmick where he would dress up as legends. And so, you know, being a couple tag teams, and as much as people might complain about the tag division nowadays, these teams were subpar, I think is the best way to put it. So, you know, it had all these defenses, but there was already some animosity being built. And so about a month later, Eddie lost a match because of Ray, but Ray also lost a match because of Eddie. Just real 50-50 booking here. And these were actually singles matches against the Basham brothers. So two of them you know, had the back and forth. Uh, your trivia for the day, the Bashams, this was Doug and Danny, and both are now retired after stints in the WWE, ECU, and TNA. So uh, this was kind of the... What's your favorite Basham match of all time? You know what? I and, and we we usually do better research around here. I did not do my Basham Brothers research, so I'm gonna have to. That's a I whole other. That's a whole other episode. That in Orlando Jordan. I apologize to the fans. So, <laughs> yeah, but they. I mean, they won the tag title, so at some point they were doing some good stuff. So, all this though, and the kind of the, the each other losing. This was kind of the cap before Mania of this year, and even with the tag belts, Guerrero wanted to know who was the better wrestler of the two. So at that WrestleMania 20. April 3rd, Ray agreed to the match to see who was the best, and Ray won that one. So feel free to go back and check out this match. Like I said, it was WrestleMania 21. It wasn't a bad match. It was actually pretty good. And so just kind of go check it out. So the next few weeks after this, the build just kept happening between the two. Ray would cost Eddie a match against Kurt Angle after Eddie got pushed into a chair that Ray was holding because he was going to try and hit Kurt. Just a bunch of little things that were happening. And then they would lose the tag titles to Eminem, of course, Joey Mercury, Johnny Nitro, and Molina. This is actually late April after WrestleMania. One write-up said, I felt like I had to share this one, Molina jumped on Eddie Guerrero, pushing his face into her chest, distracting him from the action in the ring. Mercury and Nitro finished off Rey Mysterio in the ring to capture the WWE tag titles. Just, yeah, <laughs> classic wrestling right there. So, the, old, the old face in the chest distraction. Yeah. That, I think I saw anybody. that during an NFL game on Sunday. It could very well could have been, yeah. So, Bilicic, that's his, that's his weakness. So. <laughs> The following week after all this, Eddie refused a tag and he let Ray get beaten down by Eminem. And then he ended up just leaving ringside to the chance of Eddie sucks. So what I consider kind of on all my research to kind of be the final turn against Ray here was Chavo Guerrero and Ray were actually in a street fight. Eddie actually kind of faked, of course, had the turn, looked like he was going to help Ray. And then after a beat down from Eminem, he ended up taking out Ray. So he bloodied Ray up and then, of course, as we all know, took his mask being one of the just worst things you can do for a, a masked wrestler. So had that happen as well. And really a pretty good promo the following week. Eddie pulled out the Rey Mysterio mask and said, I didn't want to do it. Why did you make me do it? Uh, he actually used Rey's mask a lot during this one to get some heat. I would pull it out, kind of stomp on it, like you know, walk on it, just different things to kind of keep getting that heat, which it very good at. So I guess you could call it Latino heat. Uh, yep, exactly. So your, uh, your Eddie accent sucks, by the way. I'm not trying to, so that's all right. Try not to offend. So mid-June, of course, we have these guys going about a 30-minute grudge match on SmackDown. 
crazy to think about that nowadays, just putting on a 30 minute match on a show, like a weekly show like that. Um, it was headlines a few ba- months back or however long ago it was when Seth did the full hour or plus match, whatever it was. It was such a big deal because it's something we didn't see much. So I wonder if, Hey, that'd be kind of cool to see that But a 30 minute match and Ray won this one too. So, all this feuding happening, all these things happening. Following week, Eddie cuts a promo, says that, you know, everybody saw him lose to Ray last week, and everybody thinks he's a loser, but he's a winner in life, though, because he's overcome obstacles that, you know, only people can dream about. And so here's where it gets just a little funky. Eddie Guerrero said he, he took a journey and that he documented this journey. And so what we end up getting is a little montage and it's footage of Eddie with Ray's son, Dominic, and they're playing together on a playground. You know, he was offering Dominic some candy and then, you know, asked him if he like like secrets and bedtime stories, which it's weird reading this to you, but I guess it, I say quote worked in the moment and kind of doing that. And that Eddie said that he has a bedtime story for Dominic. They'll never forget. So Eddie threatens to reveal this secret. We don't know what it is, but all of a sudden this is the, the, the formation. This was June 30th, 2005. This is the first time that we started to see this. So Ray tells him, don't go there. And they just have a back and forth that he's like, maybe it's time. So, he kind of held it over his head, excuse me, Eddie held it over Ray's head for a little while, kind of making Ray hold the ropes open for Eddie, making Ray kind of plead, get down on one knee, do all these different things to really just heal stuff. It was, it was good heel work, even if the story was a little out there. Of course, our guest, Vicky, she starts getting involved in mid-July, really telling Eddie, you know, let it go. Don't get the families involved. It's not appropriate. This was the first time that we really started seeing her at all on television. So... Now we're at Great American Bash. The stipulation here in the two headed match was that if Ray beats Eddie, then he will lock the secret inside, never tell anyone, throw the key away. But if Eddie wins, that he will get to finish the quote bedtime story for Dominic. Again, weird, but um, <laughs> it's what I want. I want wrestling to be reading me bedtime stories. So. You know, keep it moving forward here. And this is where the story really started to pick up because now we're into August. We're less than a month away from the actual show. Eddie introduces Anna, who walks down to the ring and she gives Ray Mysterio the bedtime stories book. When Ray opens it, he finds custody papers ordering Ray to give Dominic to Eddie, which I get sneaky on the process server, but like, hey, good job. So, you know, Ray says that they were going to tell Dominic one day that Eddie was his father, but only after he was old enough that, you know, Ray got down again on one knee, begged Eddie not to hurt Dominic, just all these different things. So Eddie started, of course, the heel stuff, mocking Ray, telling him that, you know, of course, finally revealing the big secret, even though Ray won the previous match at American Bash, and that the woman was his attorney and that Dominic was Eddie's son. And then he's saying that next week, that Dominic will come home to his poppy and that that will be one of the final stories in the bedtime story. So now we get to the, I say, infamous promo that many of us may associate this match with and kind of what's happening. It was August 11th, SmackDown. The promo is online. We'll share it on social media this week too, just so you can check it out. But it's one of those, like definitely check it out. Take some time. It's a little bit longer of a promo, but it's worth it, especially if you're going to watch this match, you want to watch this promo. So, you know, Eddie Guerrero, he wanted Ray and Angie, Ray's wife, to come out to the ring with Dominic. They did all come out, and then Eddie Guerrero, you know, trying to get Dominic to then come to him. 
just all these different things. And, and it, the whole time there's a social worker, quote unquote, in the ring watching what was happening. Eddie saying that Ray and Angie were brainwashing Dominic and that Dominic needed to come home to Eddie. Just, yeah, I need to take a breath here because it's just. <laughs> take a breath, drink some water. It's just, it's just nutty. There, there's no, you know, we've got a lot happening here. But, you know, they keep having this back and forth. They propose the match at SummerSlam and the woman, is, you know, says that these guys are crazy and that this has nothing to do with Dominic, which, yeah, right, got it. But she decides that until they settle their differences, that Dominic should go into foster care because what young wrestling fan doesn't want to see a child get taken away from their parents and put into foster care when they're watching their weekly television program. So that part's a little weird. Well, it's all a little weird, but that part was also weird as well too. Good to know they all kind of agreed to this ahead of time, but Still doesn't make it any less weird when you're sitting here reading this to you guys on a podcast. So, of course, Ray and Angie start crying. Eddie tells Dominic to say goodbye to Uncle Ray and Aunt Angie because he'll come home to Daddy. So, oh, God, I hate that. I hate that word. Just, oh, man, terrible. But we're now less than a week away after this from SummerSlam. Eddie Guerrero comes out to the ring. Of course, there's the briefcase hanging the ladder in the ring. and says there's only one. Of course, as you and I both know, Tom, this is you know well documented. The only way to settle a custody match is a ladder match. You and I both know that. So decided to have a ladder match then, which I thought it was interesting when, you know, as much as the card subject to change at the time, it was a big four pay-per-view. We're less than a week away. And this stipulation gets added to the match, which, you know, kind of cool. You know, they knew the match was coming, but just interesting how short term, I guess we, we finally got this match. So that was August 18th. We get the stipulation for the ladder match. And then just a few days later, of course, on the August 21st, so four days later, we get to SummerSlam. So big build, a lot happening over a bunch of different months here, different angles that this was coming at kind of, you know, they, they had a little bit of heat on each other to start with, but then this storyline is what kind of brought even more to that. If you felt a little gross hearing some of this, trust me, I felt a little gross. It's definitely a little gross just reading it without any context or, you know, we know what happened here and how it played out on TV, but just kind of reading a description of it, you'd be like, what the what? So yeah, that's where we're at. But that's the build, Tom, and that's all I got. Woo! Yeah. Put this on the agenda for the after show, but I want to talk about builds and I want to talk about how long a good build is. I want to talk about why you probably wouldn't want to announce the stipulations and so much right before. I don't know. There's a lot there I want to talk about. Yeah. What I will give them credit for is there's long-term booking, right? There's more to it than just these two guys attack each other and we have a match. So I will give them that. I just, I don't know. We could talk a long time about this. I'll just say that it's Eddie, it's Ray. There's real life friendship there there's probably things you could have done that would have been a little bit more of like legitimate sports to competitors aside from this I just I think there's other ways you could have gotten to this that weren't so goofy and I think that and I'll talk more about this later but I think it takes away from both the build 
the match and, you know, then obviously the aftermath. So with that being said, Jeff, you did a great job walking us through everything, gives us an idea of how they got there. I also think it's fun that, I mean, this is basically Vicky debuting and it's so crazy to think, you know, you have some people that are like lifelong wrestling fans. They go, they train, they never get their break. And then you have certain people like Vicky that didn't necessarily want to be on TV, but they end up being like a hall of fame character. It's just Mm -hmm. wild to think about. So with that being said, you know, each week we give you the timestamp. If you want to watch it along with our guest who this week is Vicky Guerrero, you can do so. If you're on the WWE Network, we start the payoff at 3530 of SummerSlam 2005. That's 3530 of SummerSlam 2005. If you're watching it elsewhere, we're starting it right when both men have entered and Eddie is outside the ring yelling at Dominic. So with that being said, it's time for the payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. All right, we are here with Vicky Guerrero, and we are going to watch Eddie and Ray. I got to ask you, Vicky, you specifically requested this match. Why did you ask to watch this match? What does this match mean to you? This match was something that we never thought was going to escalate into anything. You know, everyone knows it's work and it's a storyline, but between Ray and Eddie and Dominic's performance, Ray's son, this was such a pinnacle and a storyline because when it kept going on, you know, for a couple of months, you know, we thought, oh, this is great. But then when Vince wanted to bring me and the girls and Ray's wife, Angie, it became a reality because uh, I'd be at the store or my, my aunt's calling me, you know, saying, I mean, does Eddie still love you? You know, I, he wouldn't have had a baby, you know, with another woman because he loves you. Between the family and our close friends and the public starting to believe that, hey, maybe Eddie did have an affair on you and maybe Dominic is his kid. And they kind of look alike. After a while, I'm starting to think, oh, my God, Dominic does look like Eddie. Like, <laughs> what is going Like, no, this is just a storyline. Forget it. Like, you're, you're getting too involved with this. And then for me to be involved, you know, and to be a part of it, I was honored first. But Dominic was a superstar in this, you know, because Ray and Eddie, they're magic anyway in the ring and they're acting and they're wrestling and everything they do is just phenomenal. But Dominic was the superstar because he really added to the whole storyline, you know, and I was so proud of him and he was never nervous. He just, he loved the attention and he loved being out there in front of the camera. So they really liked that and having Dominic play the part in this. Well, and the reason we know this was a good storyline is 14 years later, it's still going on. Yeah, you know, I'm writing a book right now, my autobiography. That, you know, that was one of my questions. I, I, was, I was like, have you written a book? And I couldn't find it. Uh, that was my question is why the heck haven't you? So I guess you're working on one. Yeah, I have uh, about nine more weeks of school and then I'm going to be finishing my book by December. And this is, Ray's family is just very special to me. And they played such a huge part, you know, with, with their success and with the family. And yeah, this storyline will never be forgotten by me. And it'll always be continue with my books or my appearances. Fans still come up and go, man, what a great storyline for you to, you know, throw Eddie off the ladder and to start your career this way. And I thought, well, starting my career was not supposed to happen. It was just to, to help, you know, Vince have the families, you know, get involved. But yeah, this was a really good time. But I'm glad we're watching this match because, there's a lot of parts in here that I was so upset that happened and they thought it was my fault, but you're going to see how I'm going to clarify 
why Eddie was yelling at me all the time. <laughs> Please do. I, I look forward to it. You interrupt us and uh, let us know what's going on whenever that happens. So the build up to this was the first time that you ever were on TV, ever performing. Tell us how that happened and what it was like for you. Because it must have been surreal to be, yeah. you know, a stay at home mom. And next thing you know, you're on international television. Yeah. So, you know, before this SummerSlam match, you know, I was doing a few vignettes with Eddie going backstage. We did some backstage scenes where Eddie was yelling because I was trying to stop him from taking Dominic away from Ray. You know, so I had a little bit of exposure there, but for SummerSlam was the big pinnacle for me to come out. And of course, the ladder, which everyone knows something's going to go wrong with the ladders. So I was pretty nervous because if I was to screw up, I have to go home with Eddie that night. <laughs> no one else does. So Eddie's like, you know, I love you. You know, I know you're going to be great just be there on time just don't screw up I'm like well that was a lot of pressure on me because you know I love you baby but don't screw up <laughs> that's a lot to carry on my shoulders for the whole day but during that day you know we went over the match and kind of went over everything and it seemed easy but when you're out there and the cameras are going and the, the arena sold out you forget about all the nervousness and it was all about just getting everything done and enjoying the moment. And you kind of forget the stress because Eddie and Ray are just so much fun to work with. So here is where, you know, they're, they're starting to get ready for the spot where they want to get the ladder set up. Yeah. So I'm in the back and I'm supposed to come out at a certain time. Yeah. That, that hurt. It was fantastic. Well, the, the thing about this match is you had a great buildup. The actual psychology of the match is fantastic, and it's a car crash. You know, it's not like some of these ladder matches where there's some good spots, but you don't know why the two guys are in the ring together. I mean, this is about as perfect of a ladder match as you can have because it had all the ingredients. Yeah, you know, and they built it up so great because Eddie was, you know, reading stories to Dominic and manipulate him, you know, from shows before. And Eddie was almost creepy how he kind of, you know, stalked Dominic. And so those weeks previous, you know, the fans were really hating Eddie, you know, for how, of course, he was a cheater and a manipulator. And everybody wanted Ray to get the briefcase. I mean, that was everyone's you know outcome they wanted to see. But, you know, Eddie was just really good at this because the fans really thought, you know, Eddie was going to overcome because Ray is now the smaller guy. This is like the David and Goliath where Eddie has, you know, the height and the weight against Ray. And this is where it gets close. And you think that Eddie's going to get it. And they don't show Dominic too much in this video, but Dominic is playing the part where he's just watching Ray like almost lose. And his facials are just amazing. And he had to do it for 20 straight minutes because he doesn't know when the camera's on him. He doesn't know when he's cut. I mean, he just had to act this way. I mean, that's, that's, it's tremendous. So we're just a few months before we lost Eddie, yet he looks in phenomenal shape. He has one of the best matches of his career. Yeah. How was he doing it this time? How were you doing it this time? Did you ever think something like that could happen? Never, Tom. Eddie was running, you know, every morning, going to the gym twice a day eating, like feeling great. You know, he was taking care of himself like he was supposed to be. Life was good. I mean, we were traveling with him. The girls were involved. They thought they were superstars. So they thought that, you know, they could start, you know, they loved getting paid, you know, for being out there in the ring. Life was amazing. You know, we thought this is a lot of fun. So to think that, you know, you see Eddie now and to see that, you know, Eddie passed away, you know, that November, only God knows why this happens. You know, only God knows that his time was coming to an end. I would have never thought because how unfair is it that 
Eddie has four years that he took care of himself. He did all the things he was supposed to do. And now he passes away. Like, you know, that's so like, he did all the work. He, he, you know, he was deserving to have a life now. And it just seems unfair, you know, looking back at it. But yeah, I'm in the back and Vince is talking, everyone's with me and they're making sure the time is right, you know, for me to come out. And I'll show you the time. It's not quite yet, but Eddie's timing in a ring is all on Eddie's timing. <laughs> you can have things planned out and Eddie will call things out there to change a call or he'll change a move or a sequence. But him and Ray just could read each other's minds and they were so in sync with each other that they could tell, you know, where they wanted the match to go. And there's a few times that they changed things, but I had the agents in the back and gorillas saying, okay, hold on a minute because now something's going on. And I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, this is not what we rehearsed. (laughs) And I appreciate you sharing that about Eddie's condition, because I think that when you hear the news, I'm sure people's reaction was, oh, he was back to his bad habits or this or that. And what I didn't realize, and and again, I appreciate you sharing, was he was in great shape. And it it may have just been the effects of years prior. It wasn't that he had regressed or hit another bad spell. And and it's just, it really is heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, Eddie was in the best moods. I mean, he was excited about this storyline. He loved what was going on in his career. He loved that he had us on the road. And this is where Eddie started taking each of our daughters on a trip. So he made he made a lot of changes in his life where he made sure that when he went on a trip that he was going to take one of the girls, spend that one-on-one time with them, you know, get to start all over with them and, and create that relationship. So he was loving life because the girls would go on trips. You know, I would go on a trip. He had us at the shows. We were all together as a family. Life was amazing and it was good. And his diet was incredible. His conditioning, he was running more than ever. And he was just back to old Eddie again. Like you would never have thought that he had went through his demons before, you know, and to work with Ray, he was so grateful and just so appreciative, you know, to work with his brother because these two are just amazing in the ring together. And then we had the referee, Charles, which is, he's, I love him to death because he was a big part in this match, you know, to make sure that everything was going on time. But I think we, we even went over on time with this pay-per-view, but Eddie didn't care. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to go away on time. <laughs> what did it mean to you when Ray won the title not long after this? I'm always happy for Ray. You know, it's funny you talk about Ray because at the first uh, Royal Rumble for the women, we were both surprised. So when I went to the back, they delivered us to the arena and we had, we were in a holding room and I saw Ray and I'm like, you're here. And he goes, you're here. (laughs) So we were both surprises. And I knew that he was going to come back to WWE. So anything he does, I'm always proud, you know, for what, how he can provide for his family and his health is amazing. And he's just, he deserves everything that, you know, that God wants to bless him with. Well, and he he really hasn't lost a step. You know, a month ago, you watch him in this match, you think that they were back-to-back months. I mean, especially for his style, that's pretty impressive. Oh, my gosh. You know, all the surgeries he's had, you would think that he's never had one because of how he moves. I mean, he's just so fluent and just everything looks natural. And, you know, they both put their bodies on the line and they both just give each other, you know, that hundred percent. And they have that Mexican style of wrestling where it's incredible how the things that they do, you don't see that a lot in the wrestling these days. You know, we grew up with Ray in Mexico city when Eddie and I moved there. So Eddie could train and, and get to know the Mexican market and the wrestling in, over there and raise a big part of our family. You know, we knew him when he was shorter and younger. <laughs> so he's only grown like to have his family and the kids. So it's great to have us grow up together. Is there someone you wish you would have saw Eddie wrestle that you didn't get a chance to? 
gosh, you know, that's hard to say because the people he, he wanted to work with, you know, he, he loved, I mean, and he was, <laughs> look at him. I seen that with the girls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how good is this? You know, the other thing that sticks out as I was thinking about as we're talking here, there were some of those classic lie, cheat, steal finishes where the logistics of pulling it off where the ref didn't see it and he's winking to the crowd. And I mean, that takes a lot of whatever you want to call it, acting it's skill, timing. comedic timing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, this is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and this is where it's kind of funny because here's the crazy maniac Eddie and people are like, oh no, we don't want Eddie with Dominic anymore because this, you know, this poor little kid. Oh, this is incredible. The whole story they're telling and Dominic and there's Charles helping Dominic out. Like, everyone just worked as a great team that night. It was just like magic. I mean, it was so perfect in how everyone just was there at the right timing. But you know, you talk about timing, you know, when Eddie would throw the chair, you know, to the other guy and Eddie would play dead. That's scary to do, you know, with everyone working in unison, you know, to make that work, you know, but Eddie just helped everyone out, you know, he would give a lot of eye contact and he always was a perfectionist, but he had everyone shine so much that whatever Eddie did or throw the chair to the other guy, that guy was paying attention, you know, so it was just a big, great play, you know, that Eddie orchestrated everything and it just it worked out perfect oh my favorite might have been the one where he slipped out of the boot with the Kurt Angle angle lock <laughs> yeah that's oh my god I just shake my head sometimes when I, I see anything of these things and just and that's where I got some of my things was like take my shoe off and like you know use it as a sword you know to fight everyone off and it's all of Eddie's legacy that I had ideas for my cheating and stealing in my matches. And I'm not a wrestler, you know, I'm not, I wasn't the one doing, you know, the suplexes and everything, but I took a little bit of Eddie every night with me and I used it and said, gosh, I hope that he's proud of me using this little bit of what his magic was. And I learned a lot from Eddie and and I think living with him and watching him in his promos at home was just, you know, I I never thought that it was going to be to my benefit. (laughs) So it's it's a, a special gift that he he left me without me even knowing about it. Uh, I mean, there, there wasn't a bad minute of this match. I mean, it is just nonstop. The fans are into it. There's the storyline weaved into it without it being, and I hate to say it, I know it's a different era, but I will just say I find it hard to believe that a lot of the current performers could pull off some of the stuff Eddie's doing in terms of the facials. And again, you're watching this. This is wife and you're like wait a second is that really (laughs) I mean that's how good he was and I just can't imagine that maybe in the history I won't even say now but it's just this is not easy to do and oh by the way he's one of the better in-ring performers of all time as well on top of that yeah you know and you see the fans they're all on their feet everyone's just in this you know they're just standing up and that just is incredible when you look at that and I'm in gorilla looking at oh my gosh they have all these fans just waiting for that next move. This is incredible. I love this. Wow. Now, do you think that this little angle you did, is that why they asked you to come in and perform? You know, they had told me when we were working together, like, wow, you you can memorize lines. And are you nervous? I'm like, no, because I performed before, you know, through cheerleading and dancing. So to entertain in front of people was never anything that was overwhelming to me. This was a little different because there's cameras and live TV and you have a time limit. So this is the part. Yeah, here we go. Where Ray is underneath the ladder and he wasn't supposed to be there. So Eddie's trying to fix him to where Ray's going to stay under there. But of course, it's not working out. So this is where we're coming up to our spot where I'm going to run out. 
And yeah. to go back to um, Eddie, you know, being the theatrical, you know, character in the faces, I really wish he had a break in getting into the movies because I think he would be such a great actor. And, and you know how John Cena and Dave Bautista have had these opportunities. I just think, man, if he could just only have had that opportunity to be in the, a feature film, I think he would have been an incredible person, you know, to have that chance to be in the on the big screen. So this is where Raisin of the Ladder and I was supposed to come out to push Eddie off the ladder. And Gorilla, they're telling me, no, no, don't don't go out yet. Wait, wait, because Ray is underneath the ladder and he's not supposed to be there. So he was supposed to push him over right here? Yeah, he was supposed to like get him off. So they, okay. had, they kind of side swerved a little bit and they had to wait because Ray is not positioned right. So you'll see <laughs> it's, it's building up. So Ray had to take the ladder and Eddie had to fall and then they had to kind of regroup again because Eddie has to be on the ladder for me to come out, and then Ray has to be kicked off out of the way. So you'll see how this comes out. That's interesting about the acting. I never thought about that, but I mean, he he probably would have been fantastic. Did you guys, was there a quote-unquote retirement plan? I mean, did you have an age in mind? I mean, obviously, he's spending a ton of time with the family. He's cleaned himself up. Did you have a number where it was, hey, at this age, we're done, we're out of this business, and let's go retire? Or what, where no. where were you with that? No, because, you know, back then, you know, and say like in this time of the industry, they didn't bring wrestlers back for agents. You know, they didn't have wrestlers come back and have the performance center to train other kids, you know, to, that are coming up in the in the wrestling. So Eddie thought he was just going to keep wrestling until he couldn't do any more. Now, Eddie still had a lot of back problems. You know, his past injuries were always there, but he worked through them, especially after he got sober and clean. But with this, I wish he would have had those opportunities because you, you didn't see a lot of wrestlers get into the movies unless it was really rare. So here, Eddie has to get Ray beat up a little bit so that way Eddie can set up the ladder again and get Ray away from the ladder. So you'll see how this is going to set up. Eddie's just going to start getting mad because I'm not out there yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would have liked to see Eddie, you know, be presented with, you know, a movie or a sitcom. I think he would have been funny, like a Gabriel Iglesias, you know, or some comedian that could be, you know, a funny part in a sitcom. I think that would have been great for Eddie because he's, he, what he's seen in the ring is what he, what he's like at home. So here, Ray's out of the ring. So Ray's kind of to the side and they, there I am. So there she is. I'm not, Yeah. He's climbing the ladder. Where the hell's my wife? Yeah. So before that, when Ray was down, Eddie was yelling at me like, where's Vicky? I can't believe it. But Vince was telling him not wait yet because they had to get Ray out from underneath the ladder because they didn't want Ray under the ladder when I was going to throw the ladder over with Eddie on it. Oh, yeah. I was so scared. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. So there's a rumor online that he was going to get the championship right before he passed or, or right around that time. Had you ever heard that? There was always talks. Who's to say what's true or not, you know, what they were going to do. But, you know, with Eddie having the title when he when he did pass away, you know, that's just sad because Eddie wanted to keep striving for more titles under himself. So here comes, there's Dominic. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> He got you pretty good there. I think he, probably, he may have felt bad. He looked back like, ah, oh, yeah, I just elbowed you in the face. I'm sorry. He's a big guy trying to wrestle down. Place went crazy. She almost looks like Renee Young, doesn't she? The social yeah. worker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a great moment. 
So when Eddie was giving Ray the three amigos and trying to get him, you know, out of the ladder, Eddie was actually yelling, where's Vicky? Where the hell is she? Vicky! And I was so mad. I wasn't mad, but I was worried because here comes, you know, Vince is telling me, wait, wait, it's not, they're going to have to clean this up a little bit, you know? And so Eddie thought it was my fault, but later on that night, he's like, okay, I know that they held you back, so it wasn't your fault. And I'm like, I wouldn't screw this up. I wouldn't have been... Oh, at the wrong time, but this is great. Oh, Angie, I love her. Uh, everyone did a great job. This was a great night. And just to work with family, like, life doesn't get any better than this. You know, and that, that night we just went to party and have dinner and let the kids celebrate. It was just a big celebration because the storyline, you know, finished strong. Was a lot of this storyline Eddie's idea that that's been floated out there? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and Ray thought it was great. So the longevity of the storyline, we, we didn't think it was going to be that long. But with how Vance got involved and, you know, and started liking how where this was going and, you know, Eddie's bedtime stories, you know, and all the little vignettes they did it just kind of added more elements to it. And then when Vince said, I want to bring in the kids and I want to bring in the wives and I want to, you know, make this as real as possible. Then it started gelling together. And that's when they said, let's do this for a pay-per-view. And that's how it ended. So it was great. <laughs> this is all my years of being married to Eddie, but I really wanted to do this. <laughs> I could do it legally without getting in trouble. <laughs> was it hard pushing him off the ladder there? Yes, he's huge. He's so strong. <laughs> There's only so much he can do. I mean, he can't jump off it without you pushing him. So you, you have to get him going a little bit there. Well, you know, we had to practice, you know, how much to push the ladder because we didn't want Eddie to go over the ring, you know, because that could be dangerous. So it was just enough where he could land on the ropes and catch himself. So there was a lot of logistics that I had to make sure that, you know, I took care of him, but still throw it enough to where, you know, it would, it would get him off the ladder. So it all went good. So and he was in a good mood that night. <laughs> well, thanks for walking us through this match and uh, giving us some new insight and glad you enjoyed it. And for, for those that haven't, make sure to go back and watch the build to that match because it really was fantastic. And I guess it launched the career of one of the greatest general managers in the history of the business. <laughs> Yay, me. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for being here. This was fantastic. Thank you. Bye, Tom. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. Vicky has just been a, an incredible guest on the payoff. We're glad she talked with us about this match and just how crazy it was. You know, good to hear from her too. That you know, at the time we had no idea, but there was a lot of collaboration on all sides of this. Ray has really backed a lot of this up in interviews too. That he said so. Yeah, I gotta believe it. That you know, Dominic was okay with it. I was reading one interview that said. You know, Dominic, it was weird that, you know, he would go into school as a kid back then. People wouldn't necessarily understand, like, what was happening. And so, like, literally they were asking him, like, where are you going home tonight? So, I feel like <laughs> that would be, I, I'm guessing, fairly tough for a third, fourth grader. But it looks like he handled it and obviously didn't scar him too much because he's in the biz now, you know, taking bumps from Brock. So, just interesting stuff. I think the match itself, I thought the pop was great uh, when Dominic got into the ring and started. I'll say shaking the ladder. That's generous, you know, kind of doing that. I thought to just one of my, my favorites probably in this match, I did enjoy the uh, 619 through the ladder and then turning that into the springboard leg drop onto the ladder. It heard some faint, it didn't take over the crowd, but there was definitely some faint EC dub chance in there. So I appreciated that as well, too. So, Tom, what'd you think about the match, just the payoff, all that? 
Yeah, loved it. Thought it was great. I'll talk more about it. But the reason why I, I love this match is because it had the psychology of a great match, but then the plunder of a ladder match. It wasn't a spot fest. It was a really well-done match that happened to have a ladder match stipulation. And, you know, I think about Razor, Sean, WrestleMania 10, where same deal. I mean, they just wrestled a great match and it wasn't a spot fest like so many of these ladder matches now are. I'll say this. I'll I'll jump in. Some of those matches seem slow because there's so much time setting up a spot. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, you know, maybe like kids don't catch on, but like, you know, those of us that are over the age of, 15 you're sitting there you're like okay so you're setting up a ladder there you're setting up a ladder there you're setting up a table okay there's obviously a spot coming and then like sometimes you know like you're like oh yeah they'll go back to that i mean it's just you're right i mean it's like you're setting up like choreographed stuff at some point less is more and it's like throw up a table and be done with it but yeah they they do some of this stuff where it's so choreographed and it's like if two people were trying to fight each other and one was trying to get up a ladder That's not something that you would do. And I even like sometimes where it's like, you know, in the multi-man matches, sometimes it's like you can have someone off camera doing some of that stuff. But yeah, especially in the two-man and even like the the tag team matches, you'll see some of that stuff where it's just set up, set up, set up, and then gymnastics. Just give me the the, set up the table and then don't use it. That would actually convince me more. I know people like shit on, you know, climbing the ladder and they're the really slow. Like I can imagine climbing a ladder in a ring and being 15 feet up. I would might go a little bit slower climbing up the ladder too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. You like that 619 ladder spot. One of my favorites was that dive that Ray did on the outside and he like clipped Eddie's neck and then the ladder kind of flew up. I thought that was a really cool spot. Oh, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. There was just a lot of great stuff there. Vicky was awesome. She's a great guest. Great having her on the show. Eddie's music was terrible at this time. I did not remember this version of that song. It was horrible. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I did. Yeah, it, it was hard to hear too, but I agree. And then you mentioned the ECW chants. I, I just, I mean, 20 years later, we still hear them, right? Not as often, but you still get those occasional ECW chants. And man, I love it. I absolutely, I think that's just awesome. Mm. That's all I have. So let's talk what happened in the aftermath and then we'll give our payoff scores. Yeah, we'll start with Eddie Guerrero. Of course, just sadly, really three months after this, uh, Eddie was found by Chavo Guerrero dead in his hotel room of heart failure. Just, you know, before his time, gone too soon. Just still idolized today for kind of what he brought to the industry. <clears throat> Influenced just so many wrestlers. And, you know, you hear about it all the time, like Ray's still out there bringing him up. Sasha, just so many different ones, the kind of things he did using the belt spot to the kind of fake out belt hit, you know, it's just it, great to see that. But of course, just sad that, you know, Eddie no longer here. We haven't talked about her a ton in the build, but Vicky, of course, this kind of springboarded her career. I started appearing more and more on TV. There was some storylines that she was involved in with, with Ray Chavo, Chris Benoit, just a lot of different things that she get was kind of help 
helping out with and involved within that. Of course, cannot forget about the marriage of her and Edge. You know, big storyline there that we'll have to revisit one day. Also, of course, her time as general manager. And so she really was great in that role. You know, kind of in retrospect, just really good stuff. So last time we saw her, it was actually the thousandth episode of SmackDown, which it wasn't too long ago. And then, of course, too, she was in the Royal Rumble. And that was a pretty good rumble. That was for you were there. Yeah. Were you there for that one? Which one? When she was in the Royal Rumble, which was two years ago. Do you remember what year that was? It wasn't the baseball stadium. No, I don't so, think yeah. I don't okay. know. I, I don't. Oh, we went to the first women's rumble, right? Would have been the one she was in. Yes. There's been yeah, two. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Yes. You're right. I, yeah. I was not. I was not there. Yeah, that's right. Con- okay. Contrary to popular belief, I do not go to every major show. No, you do not. So that was when you were not. So we got her, you know, obviously still doing her thing. But then Ray, uh, you know, what hasn't Ray done <laughs> since this? So it was 2005. We're almost 15 years later. The man's a legend. Is he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, no question there. You know, within a year of this match, he was the heavyweight champ. He beat Randy Orton at WrestleMania 22. A really cool kind of moment for him. You know, we could spend a whole podcast and then some discussing just Ray's career, but this was really just a small part in his long and still going career. So Tom, final thoughts on the aftermath. Well, you know, you're talking about Ray. I, I, I hope that he has one great storyline or match left in him. I mean, there's just, there's so much noise now in wrestling. There's so many wrestlers, there's so many storylines, there's so much going on. I hope that before he hangs it up, he gets one more great moment. And maybe that is him and Dominic together as a tag team. But, you know, that's something I'm hoping for. But you're right, just a ridiculous career. What he's been able to do with such a small frame. And it's not like he's a lucha wrestler. I mean, he's just, he's wrestling like the same style as everyone else with that frame. I don't feel like he's lost a step. I mean, maybe you see something different than I do. He's more cut this week than he was watching this match. Yeah. Again, 15 it's, years it's ago, wild. different frame, kind of, you know, how he is. But, like, it makes zero sense to me. Like, to your point, too, like, when he came back at the Rumble, that pop was, inc- like, huge. Nobody mm-hmm. expected that. I think there was a little bit of rumors leading into that one. But, boy, that 619 music hit, and that was it. Like, the crowd went apeshit. Yeah, and I, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he's done some really cutting edge, and maybe some stem cell stuff. But he, I know he's done really innovative stuff just in terms of health wise, and and he attributes it to that for his body to feel like it does, and for him to not be in much pain again between the lucha style and then just being thrown around by the big guys for hell what the better part of 20 years since he's been gone from WCW. It's just it's pretty wild. So it's, it's either that or that DDP yoga. All of them love that DDP yoga. They so. all swear by it. I know. Week uh, 10, oh, buddy. Yep. You're at week 10. I'm at week 10. Yeah. So what? He has you doing diamond cutters now, right? Oh, we've been doing diamond cutters since week one, man. Yeah. I need, I need to try it sometime. You do. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, we'll get that sponsorship. Yeah. Last thing I have is Eddie would pass away a few months after this. Is he in his prime? I mean, is he doing the best work of his career at this point? Like, I mean, the guy looks like a million bucks. It's just, it's so sad. It's not like he's this broken down shell of himself that passes away. He's clean. He's reunited with his family. He's doing the best professional work of his career. And then boom, we lose him three months later. Just so sad. So back to the match. What do you have in terms of write-ups and reviews from the newsletters? 
Yeah, I'll start with just the Pro Wrestling Torch. They really just gave the play-by-play on this one. You don't need to fully read through all that, but they actually gave it four and a quarter stars. The the Wrestling Observer, they had a little bit more in-depth commentary, and some of this was just, I have to read it. I kind of paraphrased it a little bit here just for time's sake, but really good stuff here. So these two were possessed with either A, having an awesome match, or B, killing each other in style. Eddie took out Ray with another terrifying spot and went to grab the briefcase, but Dominic, of all people, hit the ring to shake the ladder. As we said before, this was profoundly ineffective. It did, however, distract Eddie long enough to allow Ray to make another comeback. Ray wiped out Eddie with a ladder-assisted 619, then dropped the springboard leg drop onto a ladder that had landed on top of Eddie. More death-defying horror. Ray had the briefcase in his hands, but Eddie kicked the ladder away. Then when Ray fell, Eddie caught him and powerbombed him. Eddie trapped Ray under the ladder and went to climb, but Ray managed to shove the ladder out of the way. Eddie was hanging from the briefcase, swinging around, and Ray grabbed his leg and pulled. So Eddie fell, but he fell funny and landed right on one leg, and it appeared he blew it out. It did look bad. And so if you were watching the match, that spot was, yeah, it did look bad. So he started screaming and swearing and carrying on. (laughs) And one of my favorite lines in this one, well, whose fucking stupid-ass idea was that one anyway? He still (laughs) managed to hit the rolling suplexes, the third of which was onto a ladder. He went to climb, but Vicky, his wife, ran out and tipped the ladder over. God, this is one of those matches that will legit shorten two careers. Ray shot Vicky a stunned look, then climbed up. Eddie tried to save, but Vicky prevented him. Then Ray grabbed the briefcase and everyone wept. Ray celebrated by dropping from the hook and nearly blowing out both of his knees again on impact. I hope this is not the last match in both of these guys' careers, but if it was, this is one hell of a way to go out four and a half stars. Grapple, as we like to use from time to time around here too, they have it at four stars or really 3.99 from 17 ratings. Overall, I, you know, my score, we judge ours a little bit different around here and it's not stars or anything like this, but I definitely think that these ratings are accurate. You figure it you know, boils down to four and a quarter stars kind of looking at just these three things. I absolutely think that that's, you know, if anything, it's maybe a little low just judging based on the match itself and not taking the story into account. But that was the perspective they have on this one. But yeah, I think it was pretty good. I agree with most of the assessment on this one though. Tom, what do you got? Same here. Not much to add. I agree. Thought the ratings were appropriate and I had a similar take on the match. I think the grapple ratings light, you know, saying it's four out of five. I think it's closer to four and a quarter, four and a half by, by those metrics. I will take exception to one line you read, which was Ray grabbed the briefcase and everyone wept. Yeah, I don't know if everyone wept. I mean, this wasn't like a, you know, Macho and Liz reuniting moment or anything like that. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, (laughs) that's all I have. So let's get into our payoff scores and head to the finish. Yeah, of course. Every week, Tom and I like giving our payoff score. It's just one to 10. It's not 
stars. It's nothing like that. It's just, you know, we take a lot more into, into account. So we got the build, the crowd, the commentary, the in-ring product, just everything. Just whatever we feel is important to the overall, I say, storytelling and drama. And so there's just no specific formula, just what a couple of fans, a couple of marks think of the match. So <laughs> I try and alternate here, but I've lost track, Tom. So by this, I think I went first last time. So I'm going to let you go first this time and share your score. Oh, okay. Put me on the spot. All right. So yep. let's go pros and cons here quickly. The pro is great match, great psychology, fantastic match that happened to be a ladder match versus just a bunch of spots. Okay. So the actual match was fantastic. My issue with this and what hurts it from being a higher score is I just thought the storyline, I commend them on the build in terms of the longevity of it and how much time they put into the story, I just thought that it was just stupid and hokey. So if you would have presented this as, I want to find out who the better man is. We've been up and down the road for decades together. Our families are friends. But Eddie, I don't like the way that you've acted and the person you've turned into. And I'm going to knock some damn sense into you in one way or another. We're going to settle this you do a little bit more of what I would call like a straight up shoot style versus this bullshit writing. To me, it's, this could be like a nine to a 10. Okay. But because of the hokiness of it and how far fetched it was and how you overcomplicated what could have been a very simple and strong story, I dock it a little. So I'm at an eight on this one. The match was phenomenal. The story takes away from it. That's where I'm at. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, and you and I have kind of discussed it a little bit before too, like the revisionist history, because if you were watching WWE, they were going with the angle of Ray. You know, Eddie couldn't beat Ray, but once you kind of include that WCW time, Eddie beat Ray. But that, yeah, you know, and that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I'm with you. So you have to take that into account. So yeah, for my score, I think it's funny when I was kind of doing my research through all of this and kind of looking into things that you see this, this match is really included on the list of craziest matches ever. Some of the company it keeps here, which, yeah, this will take you back. So one, you had the uh, giving birth to the hand. Uh, it was included with that match. You had the uh, Demon Kane baby storyline as well, too, which was just, yeah, couldn't do that nowadays. And then, of course, too, another a lot of these you couldn't do today, but another one, too, which uh, just speaks to the ego of, of some of the higher-ups here when you had the Shane and Vince versus Shawn Michaels and God match, which for those of you who'd like to go back and revisit that one, that was Backlash 2006. I have added that to my viewing list because I had forgotten about that one, which WWE probably wants us to forget about that one. But nope, sorry, I'm bringing that one back up. So is the stipulation absolutely crazy? Yes. Did the match have some insane spots? Yes. And it's hard for me to give Eddie and Ray a bad score because their in-ring work really speaks for itself. It's one of those where if you knew nothing about the story and just watched the kind of in-ring product, it was pretty good. At the same time, their commitment to this story was incredible. A lot of angles today, fans just, you know, just recently, especially this week or, you know, the last couple of weeks with just how the program's been, you know, someone, I forget who said it was like, the fans will let you know. And in this one, you know, fans reject so much and whether it's a different type of fan watching or maybe the internet age, I don't know. And as cringy as this angle was live and playing out sometimes, the 
Bill did lead to a pretty good match. You, you can't deny that. So while well, you're at an eight, I'm actually at an eight five. I think that it's just one of those where the in-ring product did a lot for this. And even though the story, like we were judging solely based on the story here, maybe like a three. But you have to kind of include everything here and kind of look at it. I actually think that history will be a little bit kinder to this one. And like I think you said it earlier that, yeah, it has rough spots, but I think an 8.5, yeah, that's what I'm going to stick with. So just crazy. There's no other way to describe it. So, Tom, final thoughts, man. I think we've hit on everything. Really enjoyed it. You sometimes forget how good Eddie was, and it was so sad to lose him in his prime. Vicky was a fantastic guest. We appreciate her coming back on the payoff, and hope you all enjoyed this <laughs> fun trip down memory lane, talking about the first and hopefully only custody ladder match. That's all I have, Jeff. Just crazy. Yep. So I could sit with Vicky all the time. It's just always fantastic to hear from her because she's great. And just, our fans enjoyed our first episode with her, with Eddie, you know, winning. Hopefully they enjoy this one just as much because she's just, just such cool insight. And so definitely check her out on social media though. She's got a couple different hand or uh, handles here of one, her Twitter. It's just at Vicky Guerrero. So make sure to check her out there. She's very active on there as well as Instagram. She's at Guerrero underscore Vicky. And so kind of flip it. So Twitter at Vicky Guerrero, Instagram at Guerrero underscore Vicky. So she's liking our stuff too. And we always appreciate her for doing that stuff and kind of throwing it out there. So definitely check her out because she's still making appearances as well too. And so, you know, support her as well because we love her here on the show. And just like we say at the start of the show, as always, kind of close it out here with subscribe to the payoff, give us those five stars, spread the word about the show, you know, at payoff pod, we're on all that social media. And of course, just that one tier payoffpatreon.com. So Tom, I'm going to release custody of the closing to you. No ladder match necessary, my friend. I see what you did there. You didn't have uh, a single joke today. I bet you that I hope the fans rip your ass because of that. Because Okay. Well, in fairness, let's let everyone into a little behind the scenes of the payoff. We're recording this at 5 a.m. Pacific where I live. So, you know, maybe I'm a little less chirpy than I typically am today, but <laughs> don't believe the dirt sheets because we did a dry read the other night. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. So, so, he, so he had so, time. So if you are glad that I wasn't screaming and you're glad that I wasn't making jokes, then hope that we continue to record early in the morning. But if you'd like me back to my uh, witty, sarcastic, vibrant self, then maybe we'll get back to recording in the afternoon. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So with that being said, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of The Payoff. The Payoff.